Welcome to the official business and lifestyle legends podcast. Real life stories, exciting interviews, and a lot of knowledge to change your life. And here is your host of today's episode, Ben Schneider. Today's episode is powered by jobmofi.com. Jobmofi.com is a job search platform where you can hire a remote worker from the overseas, from all over the world, and you can sell your services on the marketplace. So if you need a remote worker, a designer, a virtual assistant, a web designer, developer, or anything else, go on jobmofi.com, sign up for free, only verified users, no fakes, no scam. Check it out, 14 days free trial on jobmofi.com. Welcome, guys, to the Business and Lifestyle Legends podcast. Today, I got another awesome guest for you. He is CEO and senior consultant partner for Goldspan, a cloud-based performance management company. And he's also a CEO who speaks HR. So we will talk about performance management, how to be more productive in your company, how to achieve goals and stuff like that. He's also the owner or the founder, the host of the Human Capital Podcast. Please welcome guys, Jeff Hunt. Hey Jeff, how are you doing? Hey Ben, great. Good to be with you today. Awesome. Thanks for being here. So you are the man for the performance. How did it came that you were going into this niche? Um, did you have a company and this was performance, performance uh, yeah, was really bad and then you improved it and then you realized, hey, I'm awesome in doing this. Uh, I should help other companies or I should develop a business uh, software uh, for this. Or how did it came that you were going into this niche? Good question. And I would start by going back to earlier in my career. And I'm open to sharing a little history about my background and sort of what took me there, if that would uh, make sense. But essentially, I started my career, or not started, but uh, in my 20s, I started working for a family business. So this family business was started back in 1926. Uh, when you if you bought a car a model t from ford motor company and you wanted a trunk you would have to purchase that trunk in the aftermarket and so you would go buy the trunk instead of buying it from ford motor company and so my great grandfather had started this business back in the 1920s to sell leather trunks to the aftermarket and so we kept that business in our family for 75 years and we became one of the largest wholesale distribution companies for uh, General Motors and Ford Motor Company in the Western U.S., distributing to their dealers and to their uh, their various channels. Uh, and so we grew that business and had four distribution centers. And ultimately, our family chose to sell the company. Uh, and I was running it at the time. And... Uh, had the opportunity to be part of the, the acquired company going forward. So I continued to run it for them under public ownership for three years and got to experience all sorts of great uh, 
business and leadership lessons like acquiring and merging companies and dealing with performance management. So this was sort of my initial interest in performance management back then. It was a long time ago. And then fast forward, when that uh, shift occurred and I decided to, to move into the consulting realm, I did strategic planning, organizational development, executive coaching for about five years, mostly for small to medium-sized companies. And I've continually found a struggle with these organizations. They would do their vision cast, they would uh, do strategic planning and really uh, lay down clearly objectives for the company and for the team and the individuals. But then they would struggle accomplishing those. So six months later, people would drift. They, they wouldn't necessarily be accomplishing what they all originally agreed to. And so that piqued my interest in the performance management space. And uh, back in 2008, I decided to start this company, uh, which in, in part because I was so frustrated in consulting with my clients that there weren't adequate tools out there for managing performance so we decided to create our own so i founded the company and and uh over the past 12 or 13 years we've continued to develop the software extensively and over that time have had the benefit of really learning from our customers what works well with performance management what doesn't work well and that's sort of what brought me to today okay um Let's hop on what you mentioned before that you were running a business, a family business um, as a CEO, and then you make the shift to a consultant. Um, I'm also in this both worlds, let's call it like, let's call it like this, because the consulting world is way different um, than if you run your own business. What do you think uh, from your perspective? What, what is what is the most difference um, in helping people their business grow or growing your own business? It's definitely a paradox and it's a great question because when I started my company, we, we chose to uh, privately fund. So I, I've privately funded my software company and have intentionally not accepted uh, venture capital as it's grown over the years. And one of the ways I was able to do that early on in the business was by continuing to maintain my consulting practice. And so I had, I had a, a, a hand or a foot in both worlds, the consulting world and the software as a service world. And that really allowed me to scale my software company in a way that was manageable and continue to, as I grew that company, pour, pour the, the revenue back into it to continue to fuel additional product development work and, and growth for the business. But so as it's evolved, I still do consulting. I do significantly less consulting today than I did when the company was founded, but I do consulting because I love it. There are certain parts of working with companies and senior executives that I find very stimulating and motivating and interesting. 
And yet I also have a passion to help people on the software side because our software solves some very sort of unique challenges that are pretty ubiquitous among companies, regardless of size. Okay, how, how is it by today? So you mentioned you founded that software um, 12, 13 years ago. How is it today? You said um, I was in a need to develop this software because there was no good software on the market for solving this problem. Um, by sitting now here in 2021, um, I could imagine there are tons of softwares out there who are solving the problem um, like your software is solving since years. Um, is that correct or is that still a niche where nobody's in? There are a lot of players in the performance management space today. And if I look back over the last five years, it's become incredibly crowded over that time. So there's been this trend of, of a lot of different companies jumping into this space. And some of those companies formulate products without a true understanding of performance management best practices, which creates some problems for the end users. Um, but to answer your question, yes, it's become much more crowded, especially in the past five years. Okay, what, what you mentioned is quite funny, um, that there are companies, they just develop a product, but they, um, in, in your view, they don't know what they're doing exactly because they do not understand the market, do not understand the problems. I think that's, that's kind of a trend, um, which is not only in the SaaS business, where a lot of people are um, trying to create software, want to sell that because uh, it seems to be easy <laughs> before doing that. Um, I think it's also a trend in the coaching and the consulting business that people are consultant consultants they do not have their own own real business so in germany <laughs> a lot of people say hey if you if you are not able to run a business by your own just be a coach or consult people uh, because in in theory it's that easy um the practicality is different a little bit but because if you are trying to coach someone who is already earning a lot of money um this guy will figure out if you uh, yeah, have skills in that set or not. Um, but I think that's kind of, kind of a trend what you mentioned, um, because a lot of people are, are diving into that online market, are experiencing the ad, the online marketing market, the ads, um, Facebook, Instagram, Google, etc. It has never been easier uh, to to get outreach to to brand your your company or your um, your personal brand, just by paying um, any company like Facebook, Google, or anything like that for the ads. So uh, imagine 15, 15, 20 years ago, you would there was the newspaper or there was the television, and um, it both both, but especially the television ads were ex extremely expensive and now you can place ads um, by five dollars a day and be in front of the people's face um, so i think 
uh, that's why a lot of people are creating stuff or stepping into the consulting business without having a, a real own business or without having an understa uh, understanding from the market because they just have no experience. They are 18, 20 years old and want to tell you how the world works. Yes, without question. And, and we've also seen some of these players make commitments that they can't uphold. So for instance, we, we just uh, did a product demo recently with a company that had an incredibly negative experience with one of our competitors. And so they're, they're ready to leave their software after a year. And one of the reasons is because when they were sold on the software, they were they were sold on some product features that were that they actually couldn't deliver on. And so this creates a, a problem because what ends up happening is it it creates an image problem for the entire industry rather than just that company. So the next time they go to search for software, they're leery because they want to, you know, they don't they don't really know is this going to do exactly what they say it's going to do or am I going to going to run into problems. And so it really is a an issue that uh, needs to be addressed in the space. Um, and for us too, the other thing, Ben, I would say is that that for those companies that are looking for SaaS products out there, pay really close attention to things like references. That's one of the reasons why we love giving out references is we have incredibly long uh, long-term customers. They're very sticky. They're very, very loyal. And they stay with us a very long time because we take care of them and, and we only do what we say we can do and, and never more. So that would just be a caution for people looking for software out there. 100% and also what you mentioned, that's the same what happens in the, in the consulting industry. So there are tons of bad coaches with no experience, with no references, but tell you how they, how you can earn money or grow your business or something like that. And this affects the whole industry as, as a scammer industry. Let's name it like this. Um, so, but let's talk about the productivity side. So a lot of our um, audience are running their own business, um, having employees, um, making already some money. So, you help people to be more productive, which means um, under the line that they earn more money. Because if you increase your productivity, you, you can sell more or you uh, reach more in the same time or you can basically reduce stuff. Um, so if someone is hiring you or talking with you about your software or using your software, what have you experienced are the things that they are not doing? Great question. To, to achieve a, the productivity. Yeah, that's such a good question. There are a number of things that organizations and I'm going to stereotype here. So it's not it's not fair to say that it's true with all organizations because it's not. But what we commonly see are problems in several core areas. One is a lack of clarity on multiple fronts within the organization, starting with their vision, where they're going as an organization, 
And is that vision a compelling vision that people can rally around? Is it pragmatic and very specific? Uh, and does it really speak to a changed future, both for them as a company and the market space that they're playing in? So establishing a clear vision that people can align around is the first and foremost critical exercise. And then it comes down to creating and communicating core values internally and so that people know not only where we're going, but how we're going to get there in terms of behavior. So what are the things that we expect uh, in terms of how people behave internally? And then it becomes about goal setting and goal setting really must be done at all levels as well. So we need to know what are the we don't need to know what the what the 100 most important goals are. We need to know the top three. What are the three most important goals for the company, for the team, for the department, for the individual? And those need to be documented. And so that's one of the things our software does exceptionally well is documenting the mission, the vision, the core values, documenting goals at the individual, uh, the, the team, the the organizational level. And then the, the third component is the feedback. So we must be giving and receiving feedback on a regular basis. The old performance review is just broken. It doesn't work anymore. Managers hate it, employees hate it. And it was a annual check the box event that had no relevance. It's like, it was just looking backwards, not looking forwards. And so the new paradigm of performance management are these things I just described, which are seasoned with very regular feedback. So employees know exactly where they stand at any time during the year. And there aren't questions. You're, you're updating your goals, your goal progress. You're making notes on how things are going as goals are changing you're updating those goals so that they reflect the current reality, not, not the reality six months ago. Um, and then lastly, assessing performance. So that's where we're really taking time to sit down in a much deeper way between employees and managers and executive teams to discuss their goal achievement. What have they actually accomplished and what worked well and what didn't work well and double checking on our alignment. So when we look at our goals, are we truly aligned together around a common vision and where we're going as an organization? But those would be the key areas that most organizations struggle in, but in that the software uh, attempts to solve some of those problems. Keep in mind that the software is never going to be the, 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 the only solution. You can't implement a tool and fix all of these problems. You actually have to build in processes internally in addition to the software that allow you to be more productive and achieve much greater results. Yeah, what you mentioned is also a thing not only about your software or about productivity. I think it's... Um, having the, a vision and telling the people, your team, this vision and make them understand that they are part of it 
every employee is part of that vision. If if we achieve it or not, it's not about uh, the boss or the manager. It's about everybody who's working in the company who's working on that vision. This is a very important point because I mentioned that a lot of times for uh, people who are hiring people or uh, working with a team. A lot of people or a lot of companies out there do not have a vision defined, what you mentioned before. But on the second step, some of them have. But not everybody is living that in their company. Not everybody is telling that vision to all of their employees. And this is, this is a massive tool to have that vision, to have that goal to achieve together um, that everybody of the employee, everybody of your team is working for this day by day. It's giving their best for this day by day to achieve that vision, to achieve that goal you have set before. And in a, in a good way, you have set this goal not only by yourself, but also with your team because then they realize, hey, we are part of it. Hey. We are working on it because we want to achieve that. We want to be the biggest company in the productivity management SaaS business. We want to be the biggest uh, e-commerce store in that. We want to be the biggest job platform in the world, all kind of stuff. So you need to have your team. You make them to understand your vision. You have to tell them. You have to, to work with them together on steps, on goals create action steps with them together to achieve that goal. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Absolutely. And I, I think that it's important to reflect on the changes that have occurred geopolitically in the last year as well, because we are now in a remote work environment. So the pandemic has forced this. And I would add to what you said, Ben, from the standpoint that we used to have the luxury, many many companies used to have the luxury of being in the same physical space together. And so some of those communications were easier around communicating the compelling vision. And now with remote work, it becomes even more important to be intentional about communicating that vision to all people continuously. A failing in many organizations is that the CEOs are often very progressive thinkers and they might think further ahead than the rest of the organization. And yet they they can fail to communicate that clearly and effectively to their teams. And so that would be the one the one thing that the piece of advice that is critical to senior executives is people need to be reminded constantly. You know, when Apple came out with the iWatch, was there anyone on the planet that didn't know about it? No, everybody knew about it because they they blasted the airwaves and they constantly talked about it. It's the same thing with our organizations. If we do a really good job consistently and very frequently communicating these critical elements like vision, mission, core values, goals, and feedback, then we're going to set ourselves up for success and we're going to be much more productive and effective and quite frankly, differentiated in the marketplace. Because if I go and I want to copy one of my competitors, there's a lot of things I can copy. I can copy their 
their market strategy and their pricing structure. And I can even maybe copy some of their, the way they, they use their marketing. But what I can't copy is their culture. And their culture is derived from the combination of these various things that we just described. Yeah, that's a good one, basically. Um, so what do you think um, in general can, uh, can companies do to increase their productivity? What are the top three um, things you could mention here in this podcast, which might fit to most of the companies out here, out there to increase their productivity? Sure. Well, the first thing is to set goals for each employee. And so if you're not doing that today, uh, you've got to start doing that. And even if you are not super clear about what those goals should be, it's better to put something down than not to do anything. Uh, when writing those goals, it's important to write them in a way that describes the results, not the activity. For instance, instead of saying, I'm going to make 100 sales calls, you're going to say, I'm going to achieve a 12% sales increase. Those one describes the activity, the other des describes the results. So that's really critical for, for people and companies to be doing. And then it's a matter of okay, checking let, in regularly. Let, uh, let, me, let me interrupt you here to stay at this uh, first tip. Um, I, I think there are, for sure, at the salespeople, it's easy to, to write down any increases. But what about um, graphic designers? What about virtual assistants? What about developers? Uh, let's name the, pro the, the position developer. What kind of goal could I note down with a developer? A developer might work on things like code quality. How much code complexity do we have? Is there any code redundancy? So even in those positions, there's always a way to quantify the results. And sometimes it's more challenging than others. It's much easier to, to come up with a goal for a salesperson than it is a developer. But I would first go back to defining what's most important. You know, it might be that in that software company, uh, they have such good practices that code uh, duplication is a non-issue and that uh, code maintenance is really so I would focus on some other key areas that may be very very important metrics uh, to that person but it is doable in virtually every position okay so uh, if I get you correct I think um, it's not on every position really about what you note down it's more about that you note something down because the the employee will realize hey we were writing something on a sheet of paper um i need to yeah i need to do my best to achieve that because in the next meeting we will talk about this piece of uh, piece of paper and uh, maybe he will ask me why i haven't um achieved the goal uh, also, is the goal when the goal not is very specific. It's yes. It's not the what, more the 
yeah, that there is something. Even for designers, there are ways, if I'm a product designer, there are, you know, if you ask the really seasoned veterans, the senior most executive designers at the most prominent companies across the country, they are going to be able to develop goals that really make sense for their teams. And that's going to happen through a series of discussions because ultimately what it comes down to Ben is, is ambiguity. So is if there's ambiguity in any position, then you really can't measure performance. And so we need to, wherever possible, not have ambiguity, but have clarity because once you have clarity, then you can have accountability. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit, but, uh, but I think it's, it's a hard, uh, topic to, to really what you mentioned, if there is creativity or something like that in it, you cannot really define a, a goal, a goal in my view, you can, you can note something down. Um, but there's not like, Hey, you have to make five sales out of, uh, 100 calls and then it's a good one. Um, yeah. And also you, you can, you cannot, you cannot set these people under pressure because uh, create creative people. If you tell them, Hey, you need to make, um, next month, 50 banner instead of 45, maybe then you put too much pressure on it and the quality will go down. So I think yes. this is, this is very hard to, to set their real goals. It is. And I, I don't disagree with you. And I think that there's it's always a matter of going back up to back to the vision and what's most important so for instance the design team their goal may be connected to improving the net promoter score or or some sort of evaluative criteria around user experience and user um, the user interface so they may be doing a b testing for instance on design and they can determine at the end of the day what the receptivity is and the usability is on their product. So I completely agree with you that you can't take a creative position and really put steep confines on it because that's the opposite of how people work well in creative environments. So, but there is a way to, there is a way to do it and it is difficult. <laughs> Okay, so go ahead with the second tip. Um, oh, okay, so so yeah, the goal setting and, uh, and, and really discussing the results instead of the activity wherever possible. Uh, and then it's a matter of, uh, and by the way, there's really good statistics around that. If you think about your goals, you'll achieve on average 43% according to Gail Matthews at Dominican University. If you write down your goals, you share them with other people and you check in regularly with progress reports, then your goal achievement goes up to 76%. So that's where some of these other elements become important, which takes me to number two, which is the feedback. So we need to have a regular cadence, whether it's weekly, monthly, where we are sitting down and we are giving and receiving 
two-way feedback. So if I'm a, a manager, I'm gonna share with my employee what I see that's working really well and where there are growth opportunities, where things are not going so well. And then I, it's gonna be a two-way conversation. I'm gonna hear back from the employee on what the blocks are, where are they getting blocked in terms of helping them achieve better with their performance? What can I do as a manager to support them better in their position so they can be more productive and, and happy and uh, in their job? So that would, be, that would be the second component. Okay, okay, makes sense. Yeah, so. Do you have a third one yeah. for us? Uh, yeah, so, and then the third one is assessing performance. So how are we actually going to take uh, the time formally to sit down and review what's been accomplished and how it's been accomplished? So those are the two components there. And that can be done quarterly, twice a year, annually. And uh, it also should include a forward focused conversation, not just about performance, but development. In what ways can we help the employee grow and learn and develop new competencies so they add value to the company in new ways? And that will benefit everyone, ultimately helping them to become more productive. Okay, awesome. When I got you right um, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned that um, maybe annually is not enough um, to, to do that conversations because you need to remind people. Um, so, or, or also what you mentioned when you do that annually, you talk about the, the past, um, but maybe you, it makes no sense to talk today uh, what happens eight months ago. Um, so when I got you correct, I think, you should do you, you should have more conversations with your employees about the the goals so not only once a year but maybe quarterly makes seem seems like um sensible for me because monthly it could be too often because in a month you cannot achieve that much so for sure we can have a marketing um ad campaign and then we we have a look on this by the end of the month um, but in general, you cannot develop that much in one month. So I think it could make sense to a lot of companies out there to have conversations with their employees quarterly. What do you think about that? I completely agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why. Are you familiar, Ben, with the OKR methodology? Have you heard of OKRs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it stands for objectives and key results uh, for your listening audience that's not familiar with it. But that's one of the reasons why that's gotten so much traction in the last few years is the OKR methodology really is a quarterly uh, cadence. And so you have every quarter you are reviewing goals from the prior quarter and you're setting goals for the next quarter. And you can always keep the big picture in mind. So it doesn't mean that you can't have annual objectives or goals, but that we're really checking in on a much more frequent basis. So I, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and some organizations like to keep the annual review 
And I think they can do that if they have one-to-one -one meetings and they document those. So they don't actually have to have a formal review, but if they, if they make notes on how things are going, like our product has an aspect called the feed where managers and employees can put in feedback at any time. They can email it into the tool. They can put it into Slack and have it get pulled right into the tool. So that's the type of, of uh, behaviors that really help to support good performance. Um, from your experience, are people doing that? Giving um, honest feedback? Um, yeah, from time to time, because I think it could be that a lot of uh, employees are not willing to or they are afraid to give feedback to their boss because um, I don't know, maybe about losing their job or showing their boss that the workload is too much. So the boss will think that this person is not yeah, able to, to handle all this. Um, what do you think about that from your experience? I think it depends on the culture, but you're absolutely right. If they don't have an environment of trust, so it's really the manager's job and the senior leadership team's job to create a culture where healthy conflict is encouraged because if there's good debate about things and how they're going, you're going to end up with a better result. So if the senior leadership team and all of the managers and all of the employees understand that we want to promote this type of environment with trust where we can speak honestly and openly, then employees are much more free to share how their managers are helping them and how they may not be helping them so much. There's a lot of organizations don't, that don't fall into that criteria where there's it's more of a fear-based management structure. And so I would say just to, you know, put, conclude this, this topic, it becomes really, really important for managers to um, communicate that level of openness to their employees, to really solicit the feedback, to go to the employee and say, I'm speaking genuinely. I want to know how I can help you better. So I, I'm not, I don't want you to just tell me what you think I want to hear. I want to know what you think I can do to help you. And then uh, ultimately people will change and be more receptive to that type of environment. Okay, so I have another one for you um, by the end of this podcast episode. What do you think about not only setting goals into your tool, for example, um, from the business side, so our vision, what we want to achieve, and we want to be the biggest uh, company in the world and stuff like that, but also having um, a table to put the the goals, the private goals from the employee, like I want to buy this new car, I want to go to holiday, I want to be married, I want to live in that country, I want to um, earn that much, I want to have this position in future. Um, what are you thinking about that? I think that there could be a place for that. And for some employees and for some cultures, that could be an encouraging exercise because let's face it, business today is a blending of 
our personal lives and our work lives. There's there's less separation, and especially referring back to the the remote environments we're in now. You know, you're having dogs barking, and you've got you know trying to keep the kids on school Zoom school or whatever's been happening for them. And so there is this blending, and people appreciate the opportunity to get to know each other, not just professionally but personally. In the same token, I would say for some people, it's not going to work because they don't want to share some of those private goals with their peers and colleagues and their manager. They they may feel judged. Uh, they they may be in an environment like we were talking about earlier, Ben, where there's not high levels of trust. And so if I put these things in here, then maybe somebody's going to say, well, why are you only trying to you know run two miles a day? Why aren't you trying to run five miles a day? Or... <laughs> Uh, so it really comes back to being dependent on the culture before adopting something like that. I probably would ask around internally. Is this something you guys are interested in uh, or just make it a voluntary thing? You know, if you want to put your personal goals in there, go for it. We're not going to force you to do that. But if it's something that you're interested in, go ahead. And uh, I think there could be some benefit to that. OK, awesome. So is that possible with your tool? To place yes, these, they can um, add goals. Yeah, what's interesting about our tool is you can set goal types, and one of those types could be personal or, or private. Uh, so when they're setting a goal, they would just select the private goal type, and it would be flagged under there. Um, they also can, in our tool, create their own private personal goals uh, that would not be shared with anyone, but they would be shared with their manager. So there's always this sort of manager employee connection. So that makes it a little bit easier to to do if you're concerned about other people not seeing those uh, private goals. Okay, awesome. So thanks, uh, thanks guys. Thanks, Jeff, <laughs> at first. <laughs> thanks, Jeff, for being here, for sharing your thoughts with us, for sharing your experience. Um, Hope you guys will take his tips, uh, implement it into your company and be more productive from now. So thanks for being here, Jeff. Thanks guys for listening. If you want to learn more or um, follow Jeff, um, you can go on Apple iTunes to the Human Capital Podcast. Or if you want to check out his software, its uh, name is goldspan.com. Goldspan.com. So Check it out and try it and implement it into your company because setting goals is always important. And today we've learned um, how important it is and how you can improve your um, productivity in your company. So, Jeff, is there anything you want to mention by the end of this episode? I just want to thank you for having me. <clears throat> thank you for having me on, Ben. And Really appreciate what you're doing with your podcast and also with Jobmify. And uh, I think there's a great opportunity for people to look at hiring remote workforces in a new way with, uh, with your product as well. So uh, thanks for having me and good luck, everybody, in terms of setting your goals out there. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hopefully you will be with us in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye-bye.